Hello, welcome to Aussie Tells All, episode 76. Welcome back. Going to talk about serial killers today. Thanks for having me back. Not a problem. So, um, how did you get your, your, your start, your background in true crime and so forth? Um, well, I think it mostly started with uh, when, I was, when I was in middle school, the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer case was happening. Mm. And it was, it was all over the news. And, uh, you know, I, I, I found it fascinating anyway, but I also kind of found it funny. There were a lot of Jeffrey Dahmer jokes going around back then. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, it, it, it made a dark situation a little lighter, lighter than it was. And yeah, I think that made me interested in it. And, um, you know, just, uh, I, I'm one of those people who, uh, who likes trying to figure out things that don't necessarily have an answer. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious about like Jack the Ripper and yep. a lot of the unsolved crimes, the Black Dahlia. Zodiac. Zodiac. Yep. Absolutely. Now for me, um, my true crime, my true crime love just came out recently when, when the, when the show came out for the first time a few years ago. After Cheryl came out the, on podcast, then I was in. I was in, and I, I've been listening to podcasts ever since for for true crime, watching documentaries and stuff. I, I I love I love them now. I used to be like a wholesome guy. Now I'm like a dark, a dark <laughs> now. I <laughs> listen some deep uh, shits. I mean, I'm I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm with the deep end here for my just, standards. Just now, be interested yeah. in it and don't start doing it, and then you're all yeah. right. Yeah, I don't. I don't have I don't have, I don't have any thoughts of murdering anyone or like that. I just like I love hearing the the cases and the stories and all that, the background and all that good stuff. You're good to go then. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a serial killer. Um, next, I have for you. Um, what are your favorite mur- murder stories and also favorite serial killers of all time? Ooh, well, um, I already mentioned the Black Dahlia. That one's really interesting to me. Um, you know, that's just a lot of things that I'm interested in at once, like. <laughs> true crime and old hollywood and that kind of thing yeah um i would say uh the uh definitely albert fish who we're going to talk about a little later on absolutely um Dahmer, uh probably uh probably h.h H. holmes for sure <laughs> jack the ripper yeah uh, all the all, all the goats. <laughs> yeah, all the goats. Yeah, for for me, the murder stories for me um, is the Austin yogurt shop murders. Um, I'm not sure heard of that one, but, but they're really really good actually. It's still unsolved though to this day. Um, Ooh. There was these three teenage girls um, in the mall. They're closing up down the shop, and then. There's these two guys um, sitting at a booth, um, staring at the girls, which is kind of a, a curious thing. Mm-hmm. And then, next thing you know, the three girls are dead um, by by gunshots. And then they burn down the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, yogurt stand there as well to, to, to cover up their tracks. So it was a well planned out. Um, still unsolved to this day, as, as it stands Creepy. right now. Yeah, 
more more murder is a uh, podcast I listen to called uh, True Crime Garage, where there's these two guys from Ohio in a garage drinking beer, talking true crime. They they did a two part series about that one, so if you want to check it out more, I'd listen to that one. Um, but as far as my show killers, though, my favorite favorite of all time is Ted Bundy. I did him earlier with uh, Ben, uh, but yeah, Ted Bundy's my guy. Not my guy, but I like the story <laughs> of Ted Bundy. Um, how he did it was very, very mysterious. You know, he's very smart. And um, yeah, so Ted Bundy is my story killer that I, I do enjoy um, watching TV shows on and all that sort of thing. Now, um, do you have any favorite true crime doc- docs you've seen recently or, or you enjoy? Um, dude, you know, uh, not, not especially, um, I'll just, uh, sometimes when, when, you know, I don't have anything going on, I'll, I'll go to Amazon prime or I'll go to, uh, to, uh, Comcast. Um, I know that Netflix does a lot of original ones, but I haven't, I haven't checked any of the Netflix ones out yet. Oh, Um, they're so good. Yeah. I'll usually... Usually just watch something on cable or uh, okay. or or like I said, Amazon does a lot of that kind of stuff. I saw that. Yeah, I saw their list there. Um, I actually did watch doc documentary last night. Actually, I watched it one last night. A Netflix original came out recently this year. It's called Oklahoma City. It documents the OKC bombing from ninety ninety five. It tracks down. It pretty much it traces back to why he, why McVeigh did what he did. It goes back to Ruby Ridge and Waco and all that stuff. It's pretty fascinating stuff. It's a lot mm-hmm. of it's a lot of stuff. I would definitely check that out. It's done by PBS though, but on Netflix Ooh. though. On Netflix though, it just came out and it's really good. It's about an hour and a half, two hours almost. It's really well done. Yeah, I, I, like, I like the PBS stuff. I'll check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, though, um, documentaries I, I do like. Um, I talked to this a while back with you, but the one on HBO I watched was "Mommy, Mommy, Dead and Dearest" about. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. About, about the 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 little little child whose his mom was a piece of shit, who you know. Um, drugged her up and made it, thought she was dis, dis, disabled and all this, and then then her her boyfriend um, killed her in bed and and she was part of it. And then yeah, so that was the my favorite one I've seen. So on HBO anyway. But um, let's see what else do I have here before we get started? Um, and what what are your favorite um, TV shows or movies for based on true crime or or murders? Ooh, um, there's a there's a, a BBC series called Ripper Street. Okay, it's, it's about trying to uh, track down Jack the Ripper. Okay, um, that one was pretty good. Um, the uh, the Black Dahlia movie that came out a few years ago was not super great, but uh, still had a lot of good information in it that, that you don't. Know, seeing a lot of the other documentaries because it was a little too grisly nice yeah i enjoyed Han- hannibal actually recently hannibal that was really good mm-hmm. and um other than that though i've seen a lot, a lot of true crime movies or tv shows i mean movies that i can't, I can't say though so 
Um, but yeah, I liked Hannibal though. I, I'm was he based off based off some guy based off Dahmer? Uh, you he? know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Well, today um, you're here to talk about serial killers. Today you had Albert Fish. I'll let you uh, start off with your story of Albert Fish. So yeah, um, Albert Fish was this really weird, creepy guy that uh, <laughs> um, he lived all over the U.S., but he uh, kind of made his name in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, only, only admitted to killing three people, but they're mm-hmm. it's closer probably to six or seven. Yeah, and uh, primarily focused on children. Um, yeah. Little kids. Uh, Go ahead. Okay, where 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 did you hear me last? I um, heard that kids were his main focus. Oh yeah, yeah, children, and uh, you know, grabbed him up in broad daylight, and uh, only really even got caught because he uh, would would send these taunting letters mm. out, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, just. I, I I feel like I feel like the, the 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 crimes that he committed and the things that he did. I mean, I don't I don't like to uh, I don't like to say that you should duplicate that kind of stuff. Yeah. You shouldn't. <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, if people that are interested in Gacy would be interested in him because of the children. Yeah. People that are interested in Dahmer would be interested in him because of cannibalism. Mm-hmm. People that are interested in. Uh, zodiac or son of sam because he would send out the letters bragging about what he'd done yeah and um you know i i I feel like uh like a lot of the other prolific famous serial killers kind of kind of owe a debt of gratitude to to in that sense but uh yeah he um would would kidnap these children and then just torture him over several days and eat Mm -hmm. him and yeah uh i I read one where it talked about how he spent nine days eating one of the kids piece by piece nine days nine days what a sick fuck yeah i on a podcast i listened to a while back circular podcast listen to um albert fish um he there was a family in in their front yard and the mom was out in the front yard and the, the kids were out there with her and they're talking to the Albert fish. And then, um, mom went in, mom and, and the, uh, the kid went inside and then he came back later that day and, and took her and took her when she was alone. Yep. Yep. All true. And, um, you know, kind of, kind of right out from underneath the mother because, uh, he had actually, he'd seen an ad, um, that their son was looking for work. Oh, so. That okay. that he found out there was a little uh, kid there, and that was like target acquired sort of thing. Right. And, uh, he he went there and started talking to the mom under the pretense of hiring the son, mm-hmm. and met met the little girl, and then his focus kind of went to her. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a sick, sick story. Wow. Um, now, how old were the children usually? Do you know the age range? Uh, I think they were between about like uh seven and ten. Um, Grace Bud, the uh the one that we were just talking yeah. about, uh, she was ten years old. 
isn't that his most notorious or, fa- or famous um, murder or the one was most talked about? Is that one? Yes. Yes. And then um, there was a uh, a nine year old boy um, that he uh, same same sort of thing snatched him up in broad daylight. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was a twelve year old boy. Grabbed him up through a skylight of an apartment building. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wow. he, he operated mostly oh, with you know young prepubescent children. Wow! And he was he you know just besides being a sick bastard anyway. Yeah, he, he had a lot of problems. I mean, he uh, he was into self mutilation. Mm. They did his autopsy. They found a bunch of needles that he had shoved in his junk, oh. among other places, like in his wow. bone and just everywhere. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Now, when do when these when when do these take place? When, what what time period was this in? We're talking in the uh, early early twentieth century. Okay. Yeah, he, he relocated to the Northeast in uh, the late nineteenth century. And uh, yeah, started, started operating in the 20s and 30s. So it was over a period of time. Then it wasn't like a short period. Short as over like over a decade. Yeah, over over about uh, I think it was eight years. I think it was 1924 to 1932. Okay. Um, but again, you know, there's a lot of a lot of crimes that he never copped to that that were yeah. sort of mo. So. Yeah. <laughs> and when did he get caught? Uh, I believe he got caught in. Uh, ooh, I think the I think it would have been the thirties. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, he went on trial in thirty-five. So. Oh, okay. He and, and, and was he found guilty? I assume, right? Found guilty. He was. Yeah. yeah. He uh, he he got executed. I believe at Sing Sing. Yeah, he got the election. Sing Sing, that's one of the uh, notorious prisons in the country. You didn't want to go. What's that? That was one of those places you didn't want to go. Well, I, like Shawshank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you said it was by, by by the cherry said. Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to add to Albert Fish's story there? Not really, just, uh, you know, um, fascinating guy who I don't think necessarily deserves to be uh, remembered fondly or celebrated, but you, yeah. still, can't, uh, you still can't deny the, the interesting factor there. Yeah, well, my guy, um, he is something to behold. Um, let me tell you, I have to pull up my article real quick, get some pointers out, so... My guy is from Russia, and he is the most notorious circulator in Russian history and one of the most prolific in world history. Um, his name is Alexander, uh, Alexander Pushkuchkin. I call him Alexander. <laughs> and uh, he, is, he is known, his nickname is the um, chessboard killer because his goal was to um, kill 64 people the amount of spices on a chess 
on a chess on a chessboard. Hey, you almost got there. <laughs> he was charged for only only fifty murders. Um, <laughs> but he hacker, <laughs> yeah. But he admitted to sixty murders, and this has all happened in not too not 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 too recent past. Um, back in back in. Uh, I think of the 2000s, right? That he was caught. Well, he was caught in 06. Um, yeah, and and then basically he would attack his victims um, and leave the bodies in a Moscow pizza park and in sewer drains below the park, where most of them would would drown, um, mostly. Um, and then he wanted to kill enough people to fill the squares of chessboard, as I said, um, and. He he kept one trophy though trophy of a circular trophy kept a log with the date each of each of his victims' death. There are plenty of creepy facts about Fishkuchkin and his deeds, and the details are just scary and intrigue. So, um, as I said before, so his first murder was in 1992. So that was a while back. Yeah, and um, his fellow Ru- Russian. Citizen Andre Chikatilo was convicted of mutilating and killing 53 people. Um, so he wanted to uh, surpass his predecessor uh, of serial killer uh, from from Russia. He was going for the high score. He wanted to go for the win, and he, he got the win um, for sure. If that's something you want to win, um, so he he did that for for sure, and then. He, then some circles keep souvenirs from their victims, whether for small items or even internal organs. He kept the small notebook in his pocket, which had all this, all the all the uh, the chessboard pieces, each square and date written, and uh, the names and the names of each of his victims. Um, and he also killed most of his victims by hitting them in a in the back of the head with a blunt object. Ooh. Um, now. He lured his victims into the park. Some were already there relaxing or walking one of the paths. And most of the victims were um, elderly um, people or homeless people in the park. Um, where he hit them in the back with the head with blunt objects. He would tell them, his, oh yes, this is his, his, his uh, huge uh, get um, every time he, he did this. So he, went, he goes to the park and they say come with me, have a glass of vodka, um, and we'll visit my dead dog's grave. It was in the park as a way of getting his victims to let his their guard down. Ooh. Yeah, so it's like the Bundy, um, I, I'm injured, or get, get my boat to load, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, and then uh, after after they picked him, went, went over the grave, when, you know, he, he would gave the hammer or or a, or a lead pipe or whatever or a wrench or a log or anything that was, was, was close by yeah it was close by basically and then uh, he claimed to aim for the back of the head in order to avoid getting blood on his clothing and then um, he would often let left the murder weapon near the body in some cases he would insert an empty bottle of vodka into the indentations in the victim Hello, sorry about that. My app's acting up on me. What, what, where do we have off for you? 
uh, last I heard was about how he would um, leave the murder weapon near the bodies. Oh, I tried to mind myself for the whole time. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know uh, you were gone that long. Okay. Um, yeah, let me go back. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, so he, he, he would do that. And then um, he would, after the murder was over, he would he would put a bottle of vodka into the indentations of their of their skulls. Oh, so post mortem sick fuck. Yep. And also, he only, he only killed three women and a child. Um, and it's because from what I read, an article I read that pointed out that his dad left him, his dad left him at age, at age one and his grandfather left, died at a young age as well. So I think what they're saying here is that he wanted to take his aggression out on his victims as men. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot more for men. Yes. But his last victim though, is a woman who he actually worked with um, at the grocery store he worked at as a checker, as a stalker was Marie, Marina Moskaloiva, and she was a co-worker of Biscuchins, of Alexander's. The two went on a, a walk in, in the Bitsa Park when he killed her, and her pocket was a metro ticket and a piece of paper with his, his, name, his phone number on it, leading authorities to search his home where they found the list, his list of kills. So that's where he messed oh. up. That's where he messed up. Yeah, that, that, that was his huge thing. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how I got caught, actually. Now, one of Alexander's main sources of prey were homeless men living in the streets near, near Bitsa Park in Moscow. He did this for, very, for two reasons. The older man reminded him of his deceased grandfather who loved to abandon him, and no one truly kept track of them. Many serial killers go after so-called easy prey who will not be reported missing, and Piskuchkin was no exception because of his choice of victims. No one immediately realized there was a serial killer in the area until Alexander mm. leaving the bodies in plain sight. Um, then here's also a random fact as well on, on Alexander. He was began killing, killing at, at age 18 where he killed two of his friends. <laughs> so, and, yeah, he started young. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he invited one of his friends um, with him on a killing ex- quote killing expedition he began walking around trying to find someone to kill when it came clear that his friend wasn't taking taking that seriously he killed him so wow the, yeah and then alexander claimed the police questioned him about his friend's death but nothing really came of it and then alexander later said the first murder it's like first love it's unforgettable <laughs> so he was sick for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I would say so. Um, and then Alexander said that he threw a romantic rival out the window when he was 18. According to Alexander, his girlfriend Olga broke up with him and began dating his friend Sergey. In response, Alexander killed him. Although circumstances of Sergey's death led the police to declare it a suicide, not a homicide. Uh, and he would not kill again for five years after the alleged murder of Sergei. So he, he gave a lot of five-year respite there. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Also, um, Alexander, with one rare female victim, was found with a small metal stakes pounded into her skull. 
the stakes were also around her eyes when he was arrested. So he was arrested um, on that as well. Dang. Yeah. And he claimed to have lured his childhood ex-girlfriend Olga into the park to meet him, make, meet her doom. The body with stakes was never identified and it's possible that this was her body. So his ex-girlfriend got, got the ax apparently um, <laughs> because of, because he didn't want to date her anymore or she didn't want to hit and all that. And um, now this park I'm talking about is 2,700 acres of woods. It has a stream access to nearby sewer. And that's where he, he met most of his victims were in the sewer. Most of them were the, let them drown. But one actually survived. A woman survived. Um, she was brutally attacked. Um, I saw a documentary on it um, last week on YouTube. And she told the authorities who did it. She, she, know, she know, knows her, her, his name, but they um, were afraid of him and didn't do anything about it. And so it could have been all resolved, but they didn't do anything. But so they didn't. didn't yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and then this one is kind of sick as well. I have a couple more things that I'm going to be done here. Um, also, he said, Killing felt like killing. Killing made it. It felt felt like a, like a god. Um, he says he liked that he was the person who chose to decide whether a person lived or died. Oh, yeah. During his trial, he stated that in all cases, I killed for only one reason. I killed in order to live. Because when you kill, you want to live. He went on to say. I felt like the father of all these people since it was I who opened the door for them to another, another world. Stevens made it clear that he felt no remorse about the people whose lives he, he snuffed out. And also um, in the trial, he was stuck in this, in a, in a, in a, um, in a, in a glass box or a glass or, or some kind of box, plexiglass. So you, so, so you want to get out of control, apparently, mm. as well. Now, this was the kicker, I think, in the whole thing here. Um, as a child, um, he was young. He had an accident with a swing. He, he fell backwards off the swing, and it, and it reared back and hit him in the head, damaging the front lobe of his brain. Didn't it? He's never seen after that. So that was probably one of his big things that caused him to go on this whole path as well as a young child that got off the swing. That's also something to, to look at. So, yeah, kind of like how the uh, concussions make you violent later on. CTE and all that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hernan yeah. Um, Hernandez and Junior Seau. Yeah. Chris, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Yeah. R- wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, I told you that earlier. Um, glass. It was a glass cage. Told you about that. Oh yeah. Then the last thing I want to tell you here is this is the twist of the story, twist of the century here. Um, so in 2014, a woman only identified as an. Oh yeah. But by the way, I'll let you know. He was arrested and in life in prison with no parole. So he's he's no, no parole um, is available. So he's still alive then. What's that? Still alive? Yeah, yeah, he's only forty-one. Wow. Yeah, he he was young when he got. Yeah, he was like thirty-three when I got him. 
Yeah. Oh, I would have thought. I would have thought for sure Russia would have put him to death. No, there's, there's not. There's not definitely in Russia. Oh, okay. Yeah, or was they, or was they probably would have done that. Yes, but here is the big twist of this whole story, though. So, what do you think about this one? In 2014, a woman only identified as Natalia. Um, she spoke to to a Russian news agency about their love, saying. She and Piskuchkin communicated frequently by letters, and she was more proud of her groom as if so they they got married basically, um, and said it was love at first sight. And then she says, and then also, um, uh, perhaps having issues today, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, what'd you last hear there? Uh, last thing I heard was about how uh, they had been corresponding and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, corresponding by by letters, and then they got married in prison. Um, and she said it was love at first sight, and she came came up came came aware of his lifestyle when she saw a program on TV about his crimes. <laughs> and to get here's here two more things here on her. Was uh, it? really twisted here so one thing one thing is is that she got a tattoo of him on her forearm uh yeah that's one thing <laughs> and other thing is she said to him that she wants, she wants to have her his kids and oh. and he said well you should just find a man to to make love with to have your kids because i can't i'm in jail so <laughs> Uh, this is, it was just a very twisted story, um, all in all, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like she might have as many problems as he does. Yeah, they're matching in heaven or hell. Yeah, yeah. Hell, I think, in hell. Um, so what are your overall thoughts on that story there? That's, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to dig a little deeper into that now because I'm interested in, uh, in, in, finding out like you know uh, being weird you know my my questions like who who got assigned which chess piece was it based on anything <laughs> did he do it just do it in order and everyone he killed first were the pawns and... yeah I'll, I'll send you send you a link when we're done here on a documentary i watch on youtube uh, right it's on it's about an hour long but it's fantastic hour and 20 minutes long it's really good um all right. Any closing thoughts on your 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 guys or my guys, or, or, or are you good to go? I, I I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I just want to go out and learn some more right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, podcasts are really are really awesome because I I listen to a lot of podcasts and I have them they have they have them on all the time. So I hear all a lot of stuff. I a lot of weird stuff, a lot of crazy stuff. So I want to dig deep, deep dig deep more into the stuff that I, I will listen to on on the podcast. And um, okay, so so we have today. Now we'll actually we'll have one more with Ben later on. He's he's doing a uh, Japanese cult podcast with me, and I'm doing a Canadian cult as well. So it's on that one later on today. Nice, absolutely. Now, um, thanks for coming on again. It was a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. And I'll look forward to it. Have a great New Year. You too. All right, see you later, man. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Hello and good evening. This is, this is Ozzy Tells All, episode 77. Welcome, Ben. Talk about Colts tonight. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Now, um, how has your night been so far on this New Year's Eve? So far, not great. Not great. You know, the game, my team lost. Yeah. All is lost. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. Let's I can't not, face the new year. Let's not get too... Um, no, nah, it'll be okay. It was a rough year. Like, no yeah. offense all year, kind of. Yeah. So. It'll happen. It'll happen. But. Um, oh, he'll eventually. He, he'll, I, I'm over it, so we're, we're good to go. Yeah, Gonzaga's looking good. It's fine. It's fine. Absolutely. 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 It wasn't going to happen this year. Yeah. All the injuries on defense and, off, and the offense. Yep. Yep. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but we're here to talk some Colts. So, um, before we get into, into it though, um, what are some of fi- your favorite Colts you've heard of in the past that you want to look into down the road for you? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I don't have a, a favorite Colt Colt. Yeah. I like, uh, I like, uh, various, uh, movies and things that have Colt followings. Mm-hmm. Not, not quite the same thing though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree. Um, now, one I one, one cult I want to look into for next time we do a cult is Heaven's Gate. Um, that's mm-hmm. really good. I've I heard it on a podcast. I've heard it's more interesting than it looks. I thought it was just people in really really goofy outfits killing themselves, but I guess there's a lot more to it. Yeah, it's a lot more to it. It's pretty fucked up, um, as you probably would um, gather. Um, there is a podcast out now called Heaven's Gate that does an in depth thing on it. So maybe check mm-hmm. it out you want to but yeah evans gate is what i want to look into next time all right but let's get started with our colts here i'll have you go start with yours first and i'll go with mine all right all right mine is called om shinriku mm-hmm. so do you remember way back in the day you might not remember the the sarin gas attacks in the tokyo subway being on the news yeah, yeah. I really remember it, but that was them. So, yeah. and harmed. But uh, but what I learned is that uh, that was just uh, basically that whole subway attack was just supposed to be a distraction to get the police. It was kind of a bad plan, but to get the police mm-hmm. off Om Shimriku's case while they were doing planning. Uh, various other much larger nefarious deeds and the the scale of it is actually pretty astonishing Hmm. like as far as these cults go it uh it is unique in a lot of ways uh it's just like other cults in a lot of ways too it's all centered around this one guy named shoko asahara so Hmm. all right i got my timeline for notes here let's see if all right it works. So basically, Shoko Asahara. Are you putting up a picture of him on the thing? I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's this uh, kind of roly-poly uh, looking guy with a big beard and long hair, and uh, he actually he, he kind of looks like he he, he kind of looks like a Japanese guru, which is what he passed himself off as. Yeah. But anyway, when he was a kid, he was born with uh, he's blind in one eye, and he's got like. Uh, see sounds like the glaucoma real bad in the other eye so he's Mm. almost he's almost totally blind wow but he's got a little sight in one eye so (laughs) he ends up going to 
and his uh he gets sent to a school for the blind and uh have you have you heard you know the famous saying about the the one-eyed man in the land of the blind well he's king there yes the the one-eyed man is king and that was exactly true in this school, he uh, was the class bully. He bullied everyone because uh, oh, he was also he was uh, large and actually did know uh, some form of uh, karate or martial arts. Mm. But most importantly, he could see out of one eye, so he could pretty much do what he wanted. And he liked physical violence, but uh, there's yeah. one anecdote about uh, what he liked to do kind of kind of tells you everything about what kind of person he was when he was a kid and he continued to be that kind of person until uh well i guess the present so basically what he'd do with these his his blind fellow students is uh he would act as sort of a, a guide or something like uh, they'd put to take them someplace uh, in town off the school grounds i'm surprised they let blind kids off the school grounds but i guess they did yeah uh, so he would guide them. They'd like, uh, you know, put their hands on his shoulder and they would go to, I don't know, get a haircut, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they do that. And then they come back out and like, uh, so, uh, Shoko, can you take me back to the school now? And they would say, and he would say, uh, you got to pay for that. There's a, a toll this time. Mm. So, and of course, they had no choice at that point because they were blind, and they couldn't get home without him. Oh, and yeah. apparently, he's also good at math, so he's he's kind of an evil genius. And by the time he's out of school, he's pretty rich, and he uh, has a, a lust for power. He he wanted to become school class president or or whatever, and yeah. failed at it because all the kids. <laughs> And feared him, right? Which him a lot. Exactly. So he grows up and he leaves school. He gets married to uh, a woman with money, and he his ambition is I th- uh, let's see. Well, his ambition he has big ambitions. He wants to be the prime minister of Japan. <laughs> that was, I guess, yeah, the biggest thing he could think of at the time. Yeah, he wanted to. Uh, become a lawyer first. I guess that's the, the path to be, being prime minister. But in the meantime, he was uh, running his running his uh, scams, which is uh, basically uh, the, the proto-cult. It's, uh, what's, it's called Om Shin Shin no Kai. I can't. Let's see. Wow. I don't have written down what it translates to. So that he formed that in 1984, February 1984. Okay first version of this cult and he's recruiting people and it's uh let's see starting out small it's kind of typical cult stuff uh he gets people and gets in their head and fills something in them that needs filling that they apparently can't get anywhere else and he cuts them off from their family so it's basically uh you know they're pretty much worshiping him and the the deal with this cult is uh, it, it, it's from Japan, so it's uh, kind of based on Buddhism. Kind of starts with that. Yeah. And uh, Shoko is a 
let's see, wait, now I'm jumping ahead there. So it's the gist of the cult. All right, let's skip to July 1987. Okay. Uh, it's, his cult is renamed Arm Shin- Shinriku, and that's the version we're going to be talking about. So basically the deal with this cult is uh, apocalypse. They're, they're kind of in the apocalypse business. The idea is much like with Manson's, Manson's cult, there's going to be a big war and everyone's going to die. It's World War Three. It's Armageddon. And then Om Shimriku, this is the gimmick for the cult. This is why people are supposed to be excited about it. They will be the survivors and they'll pretty much be ruling over whatever's left of the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty crazy. But yeah. what's, what's even more crazy is how sort of close they, they came to actually causing this to happen. Hmm. So yeah, he went to he went to a, a, a temple or a mountain or something, and uh, with some monks, and to uh, reach enlightenment, to to try to attain enlightenment. And after a few days of meditation, he he uh, declared that uh, he had done it. He had he had gotten enlightened. And the monks were like, "Dude, you're supposed to it's supposed to take like multiple lifetimes." <laughs> you're, oh, you arrogant prick. That's funny. Apparently, yeah, they, they, they confided later that he was very unpopular with the monks. But anyway, and he's like, no, not only did he maintain attain enlightenment, he was, uh, he was the Buddha. He was the guy. He was the guy, okay. He was the main guy. All right. So that's his angle, and apparently it's a, a pretty effective one. Wow. Okay. So that's where, let's see, that's where we're at. Uh, in, see, 1987, 1988. Uh, the group is growing uh, rapidly. Let's see, I don't know if it's uh, not just in Japan. It also, it ends up with like thousands of members in Russia and elsewhere. Mm. But uh, so, so in 1988, things are going good. They got their own compound, which is uh, filthy because... Because part of the uh, sort of the, the the Buddhist thing he's got going on is no one's allowed to kill the the cockroaches or the the rats or whatever's crawling around uh, because that would be bad for karma. Yeah, you're not supposed to kill stuff, living things. Gotcha. So it's dirty and gross, and there's all these people there and women and children because people bring their whole families. It's uh, you know you're either all in or or nothing. Yeah. And so, cult's growing. They're looking for the apocalypse. Uh, and let's see. At what point do they start? Hold on. Other timeline. That's right. At what point do they start messing around with the nerve gases? Well, anyway, the early 90s. How about that? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, wait, no. How about we start with, so at this point, they're a, a crappy cult, and there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, there's torture, uh, physical violence. There's some uh, pretty nasty torture, because uh, uh, sometimes people decide that uh, they kind of, they come around and they realize they don't want to be in this cult anymore, so they try to bail. And he had his own his own group of people that would go and go out and collect these people and bring them back. Yeah. So torture methods, uh, the, the 
the classic, uh, stick them in and sticking them in boiling water, sticking them in freezing, freezing cold water, uh, hanging them up in pressure positions and just leaving them there. Uh, and let's see, uh, one, let's see, putting them in a, this is, this is what it sounds like the worst to me really, cause I'm sensitive to loud noises, sure. but they put them in a little room with a TV and speakers just blasting at, Ear splitting volumes. This uh, this uh, Shoko Asahara's uh, sermons or speeches or whatever. Yeah. And they're just stuck with that for days. And there was some some real nasty later some personal some pretty elaborate tortures involving like uh, coprophilia, forced forced coprophilia, and things like that. So the torture part's pretty nasty. Yeah. It sounds uh, like that's, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, it does. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this cult is uh, it's interesting because it's like I said, it's like other cults, but it's it's different in some ways. For one thing, it's, uh, it's Japanese. For one thing, that was uh, the main appeal to doing this cult for me. Yeah. Uh, I've been to Japan for a little while, and I like it a lot. And it's uh, kind of surprising that uh, Japanese people just in general would go for a cult like this, but it probably, it shouldn't have been it, this kind of thing. You know, it appeals to every group of people on, there's always some people that are, that are into this, that uh, have something missing that uh, these gurus know how to fill so they can get into their heads. Mm-hmm. And that's also the case in Japan, but uh, it also, this, uh, I'm watching one right now. I brought it up on my, on the, on my YouTube here. Yeah, but it also had this had a kind of a technological angle. A lot of the cults they seem kind of like they're going for a, a primitive primitivism or, or something. This yeah. one was the opposite. They were really into technology. They thought that was awesome. Yeah. Got that. And Shoko Asahara was apparently pretty much a nerd. In fact, <laughs> when he was starting his first cult, he took out an ad in Twilight Zone magazine, <laughs> Japanese version. That's how he uh, attracted people. And oh yeah, yeah. When he was his gimmick when he was first starting out, this is this is how he got attention and got people to uh, to join. He he did a trick where he like would appear to levitate. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a trick where uh, something involving strong thigh muscles. I'm guessing it's the something similar to what David Blaine did. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he fooled a lot of people into thinking he could levitate and. Apparently, for some people, that's enough. That's it. They're they're convinced. Yeah. So, you've got all these people, and and they they're some of them are actually they're very smart, and they're working with they're on a technical level. And he puts them to work building stuff for them. And he's a big fan of poisons, and that's what they're doing, among mm-hmm. other things. Okay. Oh, so they're starting to cook up all this stuff. I think they start with. Uh, some kind of uh, botulism. Mm. Oh, I lost one of my timelines. But uh, so, and let's see, let's see, Ebola. Anyway, well, botulism. Eventually, they end up with. Uh, I think last podcast on the list said something about sarin gas. So there's that well, famous. Yeah, one. that's true. Yep, sarin gas was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, well, that's a, that's an aside there. Yeah, Shoko Asahara had a a weird thing with Hitler. And that's, we don't want to get too far off the topic here, but 
have to go all the way back to World War II to explore this, <laughs> yeah. this odd fandom he has for Hitler. But he, he, he took it to a pretty, pretty extreme level. Far, yeah. And yeah, he was, all right, I don't want to skip ahead too much. First murders, uh, November 4th, 1984. So they, they turned a corner here. Well, the first murder was accidental, basically, uh, during his, uh, old, one of his, not just, it wasn't just torture for punishment. There was also, basically, torture was just part of their, their program. There was, okay. uh, 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 the, the beatings and the, the physical labors and, uh, you know, the not having enough food and what well, have you. Yeah. Eventually, someone got dunked in freezing cold water and they had a heart condition and they died. Ow. Okay. Yeah. That'll do it. So, so that's, well, turns out not too much of a problem because <laughs> it's all, they, they keep it all in the family. Right. But, uh, but November 4th, 1989, uh, Tsumi Sakamoto is, uh, people, people have been complaining about arm, that arm Shimriko for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, police aren't, for their own reasons, police aren't doing anything about it, but this lawyer, Sakamoto, he's uh, trying to prosecute them or do something. And Asahara, uh, Shoko Asahara, tells his people to kill him, this lawyer. And they kind of botch the job. <laughs> they, they successfully kill him, but oh. they also kill his uh, one-year-old son and his wife who are there with him. Oh. Hmm. And... Oh boy, this nice skips a lot. So that's that's the first murder on the books, and it's it's entirely unclear exactly how many people they ended up killing, like outsiders or people inside their own group that they needed to get rid of. But Shoko Asakura, with the, his uh, Hitler fandom, he invented himself. Apparently, his his people invented lots of stuff, but he invented a body disposal system involving. Uh, Basically, disintegrating people in uh, what is it? Uh, barrels? Yeah, hmm. in kind of barrels, and uh, yeah, it sounds pretty nasty. After a while, there's just kind yeah. of a, a residue left around the the sides of the barrel. So, yeah, very Hitlerish. Yeah. And at the end of it, well, we won't get to the end quite yet. Okay. They're doing so. They're working on the sarin gas uh, eventually. And they're working on, they also got, all right, so here's the big X factor that ex- explains a lot of what's going on. I mean, I guess it's a cold. All the people are, are really into it already, and it doesn't require further explanation. But if you needed one, yeah, what could explain all this wackiness is that everyone in the cult constantly has a head full of LSD. Oh. One of the things they've been manufacturing, they've got <laughs> this, you know, Basically, an, an infinite supply of LSD. They know how to make it. Yeah. Uh, and since they they basically they're making all these drugs, and I guess they sell them on the side. By the way, he's been a, like a financial genius this whole time. He's taken all of his followers' money. <laughs> he's incredibly rich. He's he's just, he's just got all the money. Right. And the the yakuza become involved because they they have to be involved in anything uh, drug related. And Shoko Asahara is, uh, he's acquiring things. So he's still playing on the apocalypse, by the way. And the specifics of the apocalypse are basically it's America and Japan, 
uh, have a fight and it's the end of the world, which, mm. uh, you know, just not surprising. That's, that's how he imagined it. So that's sort of what happened uh, a few decades prior. I'm sure it seemed like the end of the world. It kind of was. Cause right. The country changed like enormously after the war and the occupation and everything. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, naturally some unfriendly, friendly feelings towards America. So, yeah, he was, he was really banking on uh, being able to convince people to, I don't know, at, uh, attack the United States again or possibly get the United States to attack Japan. I think the plan was to plan was to get, get Japan to attack the U.S. somehow, presumably with some kind of big, big chemical attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main problem with the plan is it would be it was pretty obvious that it would have been obvious that it was not the United States because he was always gabbing about Sarah and how cool he thought it was. Yeah. Uh, in his anime videos, he's got videos, he's got mangas. This is how he another way he appeals to people. Hmm. So the apocalypse it's uh the years are going by here. We we've reached the nineties and the apocalypse still isn't coming. At some point it's <laughs> Uh, this may have been further in the past, but he runs for, he goes for, he goes, he goes for the government. He's like, he, he, he and a bunch of his people, they, they, they run for a bunch of political offices and they, they really go for it. Like he goes hard yeah, and he gets completely shot down. Like none of his people get elected. Normal people are just like, fuck you, get out of here. <laughs> and they say in a, in a friendly non confrontational Japanese way. Right. Yeah, so normal people are not are not going for this yet. They can't be brainwashed that like that. So yep. he's very frustrated and so he, this that's when he starts kicking kicking things into high gear, I guess. I mean no. more more drugs, more sarin. Uh he's trying to his his compounds expanding, trying to uh build like automatic weapons. That doesn't go go too well. Apparently that's harder than making sarin gas. <laughs> and uh, uh, Russia becomes involved, mm. and he get he does attain a a Russian attack helicopter, uh, presumably the kind you times in Rambo. Yeah, first Blood part two and Rambo three. There you go. And and I assume if things had proceeded a while longer, he would have gotten some nuclear weapons from Russia, like in <laughs> any any action movie plot beginning that's where yeah. nuclear weapons come from russia because this is after the the fall of the berlin wall yeah russia everything sucks yeah and in this in the satellite nations are just they got all this stuff laying around and they're trying to get rid of it or, you know trade it for food absolutely he's collecting all this stuff and but he and he's frustrated that he wasn't able to make it as a politician i guess he's given up as prime minister so the apocalypse needs to happen, but at some point. By the way, did I mention the police? Where, uh-huh. where are the police? No. Okay. The police get all kinds of reports about Om Shimriko and people people disappearing, and they're leaving it alone because basically because they don't like messing with religious stuff for for various reasons. They're kind of just like let them do their thing. They take a very hands-on approach, but eventually, uh, 
they they do decide to look into the arm shimmering and Shoko Asahara has moles in the, the the military, the police. He's got he's got people everywhere, and they tip him off that uh, that this is going they're going to be raided. The compound's going to get raided. Yeah. So the sarin attack, basically, the idea, and this is a crazy, probably LSD inspired idea, yeah. is that they're going to attack, and it's going to, and they they had a test run too. There was a they. A bunch of judges were also messing with them, and they have people drive around with like a, a van, sort of wafting poisonous clouds into where this, these judges are living. Yeah, and enough, it worked. The judges got either got super, super sick and died, or or they died, and a bunch of other people were hurt and died. Mm. But it worked. The, the judges were out of commission and. Uh, the Am Shinriko cult was no longer the focus of uh, the, the the whatever it was that yeah that Shikasa Harden like. So it had worked before, so he probably figured it would work again. So his plan is to do a big sarin gas attack, and this will distract the police because it's uh, basically the the proposal for the attack. If it had gone, if they'd had a better batch of sarin, because it did go pretty much the way they wanted. Just it was. Uh, a, a weaker version of sarin gas. They're like, this is not the the Walter White shit. This is <laughs> cut street level stuff. Right. So if if it, the sarin had been strong, it would I don't know tens of thousands of people. Like you know all the people on the subway and subway Tokyo subways are are famous for being crowded and being on time. Exactly. Yeah. So they uh, the the plan is uh, they got like what is it five guys, mm-hmm. five guys to do this plan. Sarin sarin nerve gas. They they take their they got bags of nerve gas basically. It's in like plastic bags. Yeah. And they're riding the subway se- separately. And they the idea is uh, they got the bags. They poke the bags with their umbrella. Most people have umbrellas. Yeah. And then they leave. It's kind of a slow acting thing. So they leave. And go somewhere, and they get an antidote. Yeah. And everyone on the subway dies. Is the plan? Is the plan? And, yeah. And they do it. They all of them uh, poke their bags of sarin gas and walk away, and it starts spreading. And let's see, sarin is a uh, it pretty nasty. I won't I won't list all the symptoms. Anyone, sure. anyone can look them up. Yeah. They're, they're they're awful. Mm-hmm. People start keeling over, and no one really knows what's going on. And the the super Japanese part of all this is uh, people are people are dying. People are on the ground. Uh, there's blood coming from places blood should not be coming. Yeah. And the trains are the trains continue to run on time. That's the crazy part. Wow. Uh, eventually, uh, someone recognizes what's going on. The uh, a police officer or maybe a, f- a former military guy somehow mm-hmm. he knows the symptoms of uh, sarin poisoning. So they figure out that this is a, a sarin gas attack, and I guess they get that information to the hospitals. And uh, the long and the short of it is, eleven people died. Uh, hmm. Look at the numbers on how many of the a lot of the thousands thousands were hurt. A yeah. lot of them were from permanently nerve damaged and right. and 
So like, technically it was a su- successful attack, but really considering the numbers they were going for, 11 people must have been pretty disappointing. Small amount, yeah. And it didn't work. Uh, the police, because of course it didn't, the police now were, they, they picked up Shoko Asahara. Well, it was a process. It's, it's, yeah. There's a whole thing here for the, the legal stuff, but sure. he gets he gets scooped up. Yeah. And the, the rest of the other people get scooped up. And they, they the... They make several more attacks, hmm. but they they're also they fail. These actually sound like great stories. They're not in given in great detail. Right. The the sources I read, but basically the people they left more poison bombs, basically, and but no one was killed because people found them and disarmed them before they went off. It sounds uh, sounds awesome. It sounds like some kind of movie thing. But yeah. you see the names of the people that actually found these bombs because presumably they would have they saved. Thousands and thousands of lives. Yeah, they're antiheroes. No, no, these guys are actual heroes. Yeah, I mean, so these are like oh, guys, I mean, these they're, are they're, they're heroes. Yes, they're heroes. Yeah, they're the real heroes. Yeah. Uh, so they they raid the compound and uh, let's see. Uh, again, uh, heard this on the the last podcast. Unless they found like 80, 80 barrels with mm-hmm. the little remnants of human remains in them. Wow. And that's just what was in the compound. So it's yeah. it's unclear uh, how many people they ended up killing. How many? Yeah. Probably a lot. So their the kill count is way more than eleven. Right. It's like really ninety-ish. Really yeah, I got you. It's a lot more deadly and sadistic than I had initially thought. Yeah, me too. That's I guess okay. sadistic, but absolutely. It, as I often find when I when I do any amount of research, it's actually worse than I thought. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> so their their uh, attacks don't work. Shoko Asahara goes on trial. He refuses to enter a plea. Mm. Uh, he is found guilty and he's handed a death sentence. And I had no idea Japan had it. This is in oh. Uh, let's see, 1995, he's arrested. Yeah. 96, trial begins. Uh, some, there's, somehow there's a freaking four-year gap, and then 2000, <laughs> uh, uh, the cult admits Asahara's involvement in crimes for the first time. This is That's how long it took him wow. to... The cult renames itself Aleph, which is uh, like an angel name. Mm. Oh, I left out the part where at some point, Shoko Asahara read like a Bible and decided, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm Jesus too. Yeah. For real. This is probably the most pretentious man that ever lived. <laughs> well, you'll find, uh, you'll find out when that. that <laughs> yeah. I, well, just, these are like the big names. Yeah. He's, he's like, I'm all the friggin' deities from every religion. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad does not get name checked. I don't know what that's about. He probably would have gotten around to it eventually. <laughs> Shiva's in there. Uh, Jesus, uh, Buddha. Yeah, they're all supposed to be him. So anyway, but, <laughs> that's funny. Mr. Pretentious Guy uh, finally gets the death death sentence by the Tokyo District Court. And like I said, I'm surprised they have the death sentence in Japan, and maybe they kind of don't because he's still alive, yep. still. He's in custody, and let's see. I'm looking for more details about this because this is uh, the the semi happy ending. So apparently, uh, when all his uh, his toys got taken away, uh, he went and he's uh, just in his in his cell. He went completely 
completely bonkers like uh yeah so he's he's kind of in his own personal hell hopefully i mean that that does sound pretty bad i don't know what the lsd withdrawals would be like either yeah so it's kind of a fitting fate for him and uh, maybe eventually he'll actually be executed I, I, I don't know if japan actually does that now i'm not i'm not i'm not aware i'm not aware mm-hmm. but uh it but uh, him being alive and crazy and miserable is also good <laughs> Absolutely, that's a great story. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it a way better story than I thought. Honestly, I thought uh, I don't know what I thought it was gonna, it w- would be like, but it was yeah. much bigger and deadlier. And I left out a bunch of stuff. Like uh, I left out pretty much all the creepy sex stuff. Yeah. There's plenty. That's all. That's great. People can look that up. And uh... no, I, I I know about it. I just left it out because oh. uh, well, that's that's just something fun for other people to look up. Absolutely. <laughs> It's pretty detailed. He had rules. <laughs> he didn't necessarily follow himself. Uh, it probably goes without saying. He was uh, banging any cult members that he felt like. Sounds sounds like all cults for the most part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He wasn't going to go without there. <laughs> I hear you. Now, that's a great story. Now, I'll have to get this mine pretty quickly. Um, I have to leave at like 8.15 for a party. Oh, sure. You still got half an hour or 45 minutes. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, now, this is international flavor. So you went to Japan. I'm going to Canada. So it's not that far away. But Both of those countries, I, I, I don't associate with, uh, you know, horrific, insane violence. Um, but, yeah, this is about to be gruesome. So just prepared for this. So and this one. I kind of walk that back about Japan. I, I do expect that a little bit from Japan. But anyway, go. please go on. Absolutely. This one's called The Ant Hill Kids. And their leader is a scary looking dude, or was a scary looking dude. Um, his name was Roche. That's uh, R O C H. And then last name is uh, Therault. Um, T H E. That's French. Yeah, it, it is. It's T H E R I A U L T. Nicknames. Three nicknames he has is Moses, Mosey, and Pop and Poppy. So you know he's like, thing is is your guy, okay. mm-hmm. you know like if uh, you know a god. He's a uh, or Moses. Mm-hmm. All right, or like right right in touch with God. God is number one man on earth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, and he was the leader of the cult called the Ant Hill Kids was active in Ontario, Canada in the late 1980s. Um, started early switching his high school textbooks for a copy of Old Testament and fervently studied religious texts all the time. Um, and he was naturally skilled in the art of manipulation and control. His knowledge base of the Bible was the perfect foundation on which to begin building his own religion. And then, uh, after all, um, Catholic Catholicism had never sat well with him, um, nor did it sit, nor did his stint in Mormonism. So he's in a few. For him, yeah, yeah. And so, believing that he was God Himself. Um, he began to craft his own set of 
uh, practices and ethics and rules, a whole new religion that he would provide, preside, preside over. And um, he would also be worshipped powerful and be total control. He would finally be a god. Wow, this guy is hmm. on a roll of, of, of the guy from Japan, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah, very similar. And I, I wonder with both of these guys, like, is this just for the benefit of his members, or do they actually believe their own shit? Well, let's uh, read some more here and uh, definitely find out. Um, I mean, you'll find out. I, I already know this, but uh, mm-hmm. but at first he embodied a sort of new age spiritual persona, like he was championing a clean lifestyle as well as a freedom of equality and spirit of unity. But at the same time, though, um, what I read was that he went by, as with most of cult leaders, he began to tighten the leash on his followers. How many followers did he have? Um, that not he has he has, he had as many as forty at the most was forty followers. Okay. So it was a big group, very small group. Yeah. Um. Now, the detox sessions motivated talks that had initially attracted his followers, many of whom were seeking help for addiction or help with self confidence. Um, were dropped from the agenda, and and in uh, Roche, his mask began to slip. Now, the friendly community uh, spirit that he had once encouraged was replaced by a grim silence, as the Ant Hill Kids members were only permitted to talk with one with one another when Roche was present. Um, so, if you weren't present, you can't talk to anybody, basically. And he relinquished total control of their personal lives, a task made even easier as such, I mean, as each member had quit their jobs in the outside world to be with him at all times. Always got to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. No money, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, so if the people is, person has constant contact with the outside world, then yeah, it's, it's not going to, the spell's going to wear off. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, this group, they called the Ant Hill Kids, um, gen- gen- generated funds by baking and selling goods they made on the property. Um, That's cute. Let's <laughs> have a bake sale. Oh, yeah. They do that at my mom's church all the time. Fantastic. But they're in a the cult, too. <laughs> yeah. It's good for anyone. Absolutely. Um, those under his control lost their freedom and independence and were removed far from their friends and family. It wasn't unusual for the Ant Hill kids to be whipped and beaten for general breaking of the rules, no matter how minor their mishaps were. Um, now, attempts to escape would result in members having to smash their own kneecaps or being shot by another follower. Mm, shot? Yeah. Like a, Bang. a gun. gun. A gun. Yeah. Now, all sexual contact between followers was banned. Except with him. Unless, I'm guessing. Unless, Except with him. Unless I'm by him. Yes, unless by him. Yeah. And by his late by the late nineteen eighties, um, he was believed to have fathered around guess how many kids he he may have fathered in this in this time. Well, you said 
He's got about 40 members, half are women, and he's got a couple years to work on it. Say 40? 26 kids. So, like in one year or so? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Six kids and almost every child in the cult. Uh, One child died of exposure after being left outside the compound as a punishment. Like like Spartans? No, they didn't throw it off a cliff. They just left it out. Well, that'll teach it. Yeah, and now it's a classic cult um, style here. Um, So Roche moved the group to be uh, to to a more isolated location. Ah, yes. Like you know, like like, you know, in Waco and Ruby Ridge and all those. Or Jamestown. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. By the way, Shoko Shoko was doing the same thing with trying to have all the babies. have a little army of himself. Yeah, absolutely. And breaking off any possibility of contact between members and their family, friends, or general outsiders. It's a classic technique used by many cult leaders to ensure total control over their followers. It ensures long-term indefinite control without the chance of members being liberated by relatives or local authorities. And just like the Speedo wearing narcissistic um but buddhified cult leader michael rost rost hand um Mm. roche sat back and watched as the anthill kids built an entire town around him on a mountain side in quebec Mm. and um they also believed that they would see out their final days there in the face of imminent apocalypse (laughs) that their leader had predicted to happen in 1979. Yet another doomsday cult trope. Now, the uh, coming of the end of days is often used throughout the control process as the fear of final judgment and the desperation of the followers to be fully cleansed of all sin. Now, also I read that um, cult leaders, the room to amp up the uh, abuse in exploitation, they amp it up, and sadly, the end, quote, end, never comes. The deadline is reset, and cycle continues over and over and over. Now, hmm. um, although he was gen- generally considered um, a charismatic, likable, and humorous man by all, Roche often, hmm. <laughs> Roche often displayed uh, two very separate sides to those who were trapped in his company. One was a, one of a Gentile, or of gentle, gentle mm-hmm. friendly man, and one of a true devil, a, a vile, sadistic beast of a man who abused his own children and performed drunken surgeries that resulted in agonizing deaths. Wow, I did not read that. Surgeries? I guess. Drunken what, surgeries. What kind of surgeries? Um, well, it's well been, drunken ones, but well, for what What purpose? Well, um, not really, it doesn't really say much, but it does say that uh, he performed his operations in, in a grim, cluttered room with dirty kitchen dives on dusty countertops and tables. And it said, uh, he used to he used forced followers as makeshift medical assistants, breathing down their necks with whiskey breath as they sewed up incisions under his command. Um, now, since it is unclear from reading the report, reports if if Roche was delusional or not, but 
Testimonies from ex-members describe him actually believing in his healing abilities despite the disastrous outcomes of his botched um, DIY surgeries. Um, Unfortunately, hard labor, isolation, and complete control were only the tip of the iceberg when it came to um, Roche's exploitation and abuse of the adults and children in his control. He would torture them in the most brutal ways he could come up with and refer to them as punishments or cleansings to remove sin. Now, he pulled out teeth and followers amputate each other's fingers and toes and what he said were displays of loyalty. Um, he ripped fistfuls mm. of hair or plucked them out one by one. He would amputate otherwise healthy limbs, bumped or burned and branded skin used his followers as his personal toilet, um, sexually abused both the children and adults, as well as performing enemas on them, gruesome surgeries, once ripping out the intestines of a conscious follower who only complained of a stomachache. Children were even reportedly nailed to trees and pummeled with rocks by other kids because a sick fuck. I mean, really. Um, a couple more things I have here, and then we'll be done with my story. Then you have, you'll have your reaction to the story. Um, Roche was reported to the authorities when a uh, mutilated member escaped and started uh, alerted the police. It was a miracle that he, she had even survived the torture on her, um, and she felled the anthill kids with um, eight less teeth. One only one arm, and mutilated genitals and breasts, and a fractured skull. Um, now Roche was a, was sentenced to life in prison, and was shanked in the rock in the neck by by his cellmate, age of sixty three in twenty eleven. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, and the last thing I have here um, is uh, his killer admitted to the crime immediately, and said called him a piece of shit and uh uh, the last thing i have here is the cult never had more than 40 followers uh during his final days um the followers consisted mostly of his children and wives so mainly a family cult um see that's a more primitive type of cult that i normally think of when i think of cults yeah woods uh dismembering each other the amputations thing is, uh, yeah, this is what really comes out of me. It's the most extreme part here, and uh, the most, the most like a horror movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, that was the in the seventies, maybe like seventies and eighties. Um, that was uh, uh, definitely a uh, a a a uh, fucked up cult in a very uh, very. Very, I don't know, very um, askew, I would say. Yeah, especially for uh, Canadians. Yeah, yeah, especially for Canadians. Um, yeah. It's, it didn't get much press. I, I, I read about this uh, in one uh, one of the other, or some other, uh, you know, true crime uh, podcast or something. Yeah. And they also remarked, that, like, why have I never heard about this shit before? Because yeah. it's... Uh, 
you know, the kind of stuff we're into. And yeah, for some reason, it just did not get the press that uh, some of these other groups did. I guess, well, they never did any terrorist attacks or had a mass suicide. Right. So what happened to all the the, the 40-something people in the cult with uh, when he got arrested? What was left of them? Um, that I cannot find the answers to that. Um... Oh, God, they're still in the woods. <laughs> they're still out there in Quebec. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, but at least they got, at least they caught him, and now they they were weren't they weren't uh, subject to his to his uh, prey, I guess. You know. I have mixed feelings about the prison shanking. Yeah. On the one hand, you know it's good. I'm sure that really sucked for him. On the other hand, like with Shoko Asahara, he's probably having a worse time of it, continuing to be alive. Yeah. So I definitely want whatever is worse for them. So I'm not sure what that would be. Maybe, maybe prison shank man did the right thing. I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with that, that is the end of the, uh, the Colts podcast and my soberness for the evening. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so at this point um, it was, it was, how do you say it again? It was, you're cold again. What was it? Name the cold again. Uh, uh, um, Shinriku. Um, Shiriku. Okay. That. Uh, yeah. We, well, we we're not necessarily pronouncing it exactly right. It's okay. The um cult is probably good enough anyway. I should have just called it that the whole time. Oh yeah. Well, I found a picture to post on the on the uh, social media to put on there. Um. So that should be good. And... Yeah. He looks really poly, right? Your guy looks scary. Yeah, my guy is a beast. A beast. Now, if you want to check, I just sent you a picture of the one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up there okay. on Facebook Messenger. Checking. Yeah, that's that's him. Yeah. That uh, little very thin little mustache thing and just and the hair, hair surrounding his head completely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, any closing thoughts on uh, what we talked about today? Uh, yeah, just to be safe and avoid being in a cult, just don't believe <laughs> in anything, especially. And I don't text me. When... What's that? Yeah. Exactly. And also, don't start one either. That would also be a good idea as well. Wait, don't start what? A cult. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> For a while. Uh, the show called Sahara Guy, he became yeah. the richest person. He was probably, you know, one of the wealthiest people in the world and yeah. having sex whenever he wanted. And yeah. yeah, he was doing great for a while. I'm guessing that's why <laughs> he went crazy because all that stuff got taken away from him. Right, exactly. And right. I, I don't know, I guess he, he liked living out in the woods. And well, he like they like the power he gets to be like god over all these people so he's having a good for a while yeah absolutely well today was a good day um podcast wise i had yeah. this morning this morning i had a dennis on about uh, albert fish fry i like that that was a good choice by dennis albert fish and uh and and i did uh yeah it was and i did uh alexander Paskuchkin, the chessboard killer from russia then the most notorious russian the, the most notorious so killer in russian history and one of the most notorious in actually world history as well. So mm-hmm. they, their their kill counts are 
incredible, which is not surprising because it's Russia. 61. They're just stacking them up. Yeah, pretty much. Well, <laughs> what's that? That's what they're used to over there. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been a great 50 minutes or so um, of cult talk, a great, um, lively, inter- lively, uh, family-friendly uh, entertainment for the whole family. Yes. Lively, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you have a good a good night, and hopefully you stay safe out there. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody, and I'm not going to be sober um, later on, all right? Yeah, it's not going to stop you from posting on Facebook, though, is it? It is not. <laughs> By the way, I almost called an audible uh, tonight. And, yeah. and uh, wait, before I go, I need to give credit to uh, my sources for my research. Uh, I, most of this, yeah. I should be fair. I, most most of it, I listened to uh, like four hours of the last podcast on the left on this. Then the thing you sent me, uh, Colts, just yeah. Colts, I think that's what it's called, right? Podcast. They had a two-parter yeah. on it. Yep. And then Murder with Friends on YouTube, they also had a thing on it. And those last two are recent. And, but I actually, I told you way back that I was doing the Am Shimriku cult, and they just uh, happened to also be doing it. So there, there's something something out there in the ether. Perfect timing. Yeah, well, they actually do still exist now, so that's part of it. Yeah, I, I read a couple articles from the New York Times, and also I read one, a blog, section when I read from a, bo- a blog from reallifehorror.blogspot.com. So that was from actually just... January 3rd of 2017. It's not too far back, almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty recent. But my guy looks very scary. I mean, he, he will look, the look in his eyes is like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, so. You should send me, you should, put, you should put a link to that on the, uh, on the page. I'll uh, check the, it out. To the blog? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, that's fine. I'll, I'll do that in a minute. Sure. Sure thing. Cool, man. Well, it sounds like you got to go to a party. Yep. I do too eventually because I'm a happening guy. <laughs> we know. We know. Going on. All right. Well, have a good one, man. And Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year, Oz. All right. See you later. See ya.